Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Sylvia. Alongside me is Taylor Namel and the Shark. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your College Hooper of the Week is Davidus Dulkies, the Lithuanian former shooter for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, I remember him being one of the first guys that put Leonard Hamilton on the map. Uh, Hamilton really hasn't done much since then. We that, That's a whole nother, a, a whole nother item. But Davidus Dulkies, former Florida State Seminole, College Trooper of the Week. Make sure to check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Gentlemen, I actually had the first line or what I wanted to bring up first and foremost was from a loyal and longtime listener, Rob Moran. But before we even I even pressed record, you guys were getting into it about Jalen Smith. Taylor, you have a bone to pick with the Sharks. Why don't I just go ahead and let you both air out your grievances? Let's go off kilter. Let's go off script. So I, I'm not sure if this was on air or if it was a Twitter beef that uh, the Shark and I had gotten into, but I absolutely despised the Suns picking Jalen Smith uh year before last. And my response from the shark was uh dumb. Hold on. Dumb, hold, hold on. Dumb talking, tweet. Dumb tweet. You're about to sound sound dumber once what? you finish. Go ahead. I'm Go talking ahead. about the I'm talking about the Packers Green Bay. The Green oh. Bay Packers Jalen Smith. Well that's this is, what I thought you were talking oh. about too. I completely forgot about the Suns pick. Well, yeah. this is a fucking basketball podcast, so why? Like, I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Heineke almost went down. Actually, Heineke had you beat a couple weeks ago, and then they had that flop in the end zone that they're only going to call against him. If that's Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to call that. But yeah, I was talking about Jalen Smith picking the Packers. Over well, the while we're here, while we're here, let's talk about this anyway. Okay, don't uh, give up on the Suns, Jalen Smith either, though. I think he's a top because the pick that they should have taken. Anyone? Anyone? Um. I, I, I Tyrese Halliburton. 
maybe top good. top seven player, top five player from that. That's you. That no, team. see that I would say to that point. So the Halliburton guys, I know they're out there because there's tons of them. I think those are just fantasy basketball nerds that see him stuff the stat sheet and lose the game every single time. I stand by my take on Halliburton. I don't think he's any really that good. Okay, still the Jalen, the your your quote was something to the effect of dumb tweet. Green will turn out or Smith will turn out to be one of the top five players of this draft. What are they? Probably 20, 21 years old at this point. Let's give them a little time. Maybe let them let them develop. Yeah. Marinate. Yeah, okay. I think what usually happens is uh, they're out of the league in two years at this point. Well, that's certainly not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Shark, I, I, I have to tell you, is it even Jalen Smith? Is that like, because I, yeah. okay, because I definitely thought we were talking about the former Notre Dame linebacker. And it, it didn't. It didn't even dawn on me. But Taylor, I, your mind is like a steel trap, buddy. Hey, I I've got everybody's receipts all down the line of what they've said about everybody over the course of time. So, uh, like I said, I can, the guy the guy's got I, a chip on his slender shoulders, as I always. I can be. I've conveniently forgotten all of my takes. You know, just just to be safe. But I've remembered everybody else's. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Smith wasn't on the Suns anymore. To be honest with you, I, like th- th- that name and that feud, that that back and forth didn't even register with me. I definitely thought you were about to go into something completely NFL related. He's, he's on. The, the, he's in the. He's in the G League. They sent him yeah. down like like permanently, essentially, like I mean, permanent assignment to the G League. He played for a team that went to the finals. There's a lot of good players in front of him. You got to let him develop a little bit. Halliburton, on the other hand, gets to play for these losers in Sacramento. And someone's got to score for them, and they're going to be 12 games under 500 like they are every single year. Of course, this is also from a management or, you know, a team with management that won't even give them a max extension to a player they picked with the number one pick in the draft. So, you know, maybe they maybe they don't really know how to handle contracts in general. But this is a fair point. I'm a college basketball guy. College basketball wise, Jalen Smith was significantly better than Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa State. Halliburton. I, look, I see it. I see all the nerds. I include you in that group. Um, I just disagree with you. I don't right. know why you're such a Maryland guy. When did you become such a Maryland guy? Um, They're not even in the ACC anymore. I don't think they were in the ACC no. when you went to school, right? I mean, like, what, why are you such a Maryland guy? That certainly helped. I really liked the teams after, after what's his face, uh, Mellow Trimble. Like, Trimble was great his freshman year, but I liked how they got better after that. Bruno Fernando, then they had Jalen Smith after that. They had Marcel, who's a star with Marquette. I mean, I just kind of like Ayala. It was always great. They played good defense. I like, I like them. You forgot, you forgot uh, Varun Ram as well. By the yeah, way, yeah, I, I, that was intentional. The I Hindu he hammer, a good player. Yeah, uh, he, he he gave you some decent minutes, like last possession. If they need a pest on, I mean, ball. Not, don't if they need to waste five five fouls. I'm not doing the royal we with them. All right, like I'm not a part of that. I just kind of think they're pretty decent. I mean, I hate to hop on board with Shark, but my screen name right now is literally Juan Dixon. So. Maybe I'm maybe we're a Maryland group here. Juan Dixon got tossed from a game. I think he's the head coach now at Coppin State. Is that right? Right. I think he got I tossed from is. a game uh, a couple weeks ago. For, I think it might have been the very first game. That's how he set the tone. Juan Dixon, who, by the way, is as a player, I always remember him as just a very mild mannered individual. Right. Great. Yeah. Just a very clean goatee, too. I remember that as well. Yeah. It's, it's like that. It's, he has like a Clay Thompson goatee where. He like takes it off and hangs it up on on the <laughs> coat rack before he leaves. I can't take credit for that. Actually, a Twitter user did that, and Clay Thompson in mean tweets he he read that out loud. I wish I could take credit, but I appreciate that that natural reaction. I do want to ask you guys though about uh, Moran's question because, like I said, very long time loyal listener, and, I, and and he brings up a question asking after watching the Gonzaga and Texas game. And seeing the fans sing and dance to uh, Sheck West's Mo Bamba, which is a very popular song. Shark, first of all, let me pause there for a second. You're a college basketball guy. You're not a music guy. Do you know what song I'm referencing? I'm cringing at this question, but I think I've heard Mo Bamba. That one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you got it right. Do that again. Mo Bamba. I, I still can't tell, but... It's a very popular song that will fire up a crowd. I think it's painfully overused. But Taylor, as obviously you know this, this song. Uh, was, Moran over here is asking, you know, should this only be a thing that Texas fans can celebrate? And do you think Texas fans got punked by seeing Gonzaga fans do this? 
Or is this just another overplayed song, really? Is Moran reading too much into this, which he has a tendency of doing, actually? I've got a lot to say about this, especially after this rendition that, that Shark just gave us there, which was essentially just saying Mo Bamba's name elongated in with no real rhythm or tone at all. Um, why is When did Moran ask this question is, is my first question. Texas, Texas Gonzaga. So, but he just brought this up. I think, I think because Texas was also in a dogfight with Kansas in football. Like, it, it, I'm sure it was weighing on his mind. Yes, All right. Because this song has been out for like at least three years, and it's been played like ad nauseum at every sporting event for almost like when I went to the Kansas State Oklahoma game two and a half years ago when Jalen Hurts was the quarterback, that's what Kansas State was playing the whole game. Like three, yeah, three years ago. Um, I think it's a great song, personally. Fires people up. It has always come to my mind that why is every team in the country playing it, though? I think it's a legitimate question. Um, 98% of the people, who, especially current college kids who are singing this song, in the crowd have no idea that Mo Bamba went to Texas. Probably doesn't he probably don't even realize Mo Bamba is even in the NBA or who Mo Bamba is. Um I would take you. it a step further. I don't think they know that Mo Bamba and Sheck West are like from the same neighborhood. They're friends, right? They're close friends. You know that's news to me, Sue. Uh that's that's also something I was unaware of. Uh, I would say that because we're so far into it though, you gotta just keep playing it. The thing that I have more of a problem with and maybe this is an overarching thing that, that you can include Mo Bamba in is, um, you know, like Gonzaga's dancing around to every time we touch. Isn't that a fucking Duke thing? Why are we, why can we not come up with our own shit? Why does it always have to be like taking something like, remember the, I believe, I believe that we will win that every fucking college basketball team decided to do two years after wild bill at fucking Utah Thank state you. started it. I appreciate you properly attributing that. That is wild bill, Utah state. Yeah, and then, like, the United States fucking men's national soccer team started on it. Like, like of the entire country, a whole soccer program, we couldn't come up with something better than a Utah State kid came up with, like, a decade ago. I, I don't understand why we have to copy everything. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe maybe that's what Moran's potentially getting at as well. He could be. Shark, do you have any thoughts on, on this? Do you think this is just a harmless song that where kids are getting hyped up, or do you think that Moran might have a little deep dive into this? Didn't listen to anything you guys just said. Let me know when we're talking, like, Darius Rucker, Van Morrison, Lumineers, Jason Isbell. Uh, maybe a little Luke Combs, and I had, may have something to throw in. But for this, I tuned out. I'll tell you what, that Final Four run by South Carolina, that would have been a great time to talk Rucker. Rucker in tears, sidelines, MSU. Sing it with me. You know what I want to sing. Just little cry. I wouldn't, that wouldn't have been my first thing to sing right there. What would you have sang? I probably would have done. Re-Rucker. Re, uh, re Rucker. I probably would have, if I'm going Rucker in a moment to get the crowd going, I think you have to do Beer and Sunshine. I mean, that just gets me going. Beer and Sunshine. It's from this summer, but yeah, I mean, that just gets me going. So let me understand something here, real quick, though, from what Shark just said. So if you're like, if you're heading up a student section right now in college basketball, football, when the Lumineers album comes out in January, that's what you're gonna play for everybody to get hyped. Uh, uh, I, mean, I love the Lumineers. Don't get me wrong, but like that's what we're going with here over over mobile. I actually like that. So the, I was commenting on just general taste that I enjoy. I also like Coldplay. I would throw that in there as well. Um, but honestly, you talk about the Lumineers. I think that song Gloria might play in a student section. Gloria. <laughs> it might actually go right there because there's a lot of like chanting and hooting and hollering in there. I don't really know what's in it. I never listen to the lyrics of the and comprehend the lyrics of music. I just kind of know what they say. Clearly. Um, but that could be about something terrible. But I think it would be a good if a band got that ripping and roaring a little bit. Subi, can I take this? Can I teach you how to segue of a, on a program such as this? Please. Lumineers, new music video has friend of the program, Roman Mathis in it. Roman Mathis, who played a basketball player in the fuck, what was it? Whose movie was that? Way, way back, back. The way back. Yeah, oh, one of man. Sharks. Fair. So that I'm just trying to bring it back to basketball. Is really all I'm, I'm going for here. 
Well, I was going to say real quick that I think the pump-up music for these stadiums should be geographically related, right? So Gonzaga, I think they should just be blaring Nirvana. The Southeast Conference, yeah, go with Rucker, go with Luke Combs, whatever you want to do. Uh, Southwest, I don't know, like UCLA, they can do uh, some some rave music or whatever it is those kids in LA are doing, right? So let's start thinking about geographic uh, tastes and what really will get the students pumped up in those certain areas. Do we have like Gonzaga? Does it have to stick? They're a very Catholic school, so I mean that's well, really going to narrow. That's really going to narrow this down. Okay, Pacific Northwest. I'm I'm out on religion, but yeah. Why don't we pivot now to basketball? And honestly, I I don't even want to talk about this, but I feel that we're obligated because we're a college basketball program, and because it's Duke. But Paolo Bancaro and Coach K's grandson, uh, Bancaro apparently was. Uh, charged or indicted, I don't know, with uh, aiding and abetting DWI. Let me pause there for a second, actually. Shark, what exactly is aiding and abetting DWI? Like, what is the range of that? What does that mean? I've personally never, um, it's rare, I would say. It seems to be someone facilitated the actual committing of the offense. I mean, I know that's kind of just defining exactly what the crime is, but to take it into practical purposes, it sounds like Bencaro was charged with aiding and abetting of it. So he either encouraged the dude to drive or he did something to facilitate the crime. Um, normally you wouldn't see that. Normally you got people that are just sitting in the cars and they're not going to get in trouble. Uh, if they're a passenger, you just say, all right, go get someone to pick you up. They'll bring you home. They're not going to get charged with anything. And, and that's not to say there's other laws that exist out there for the bartenders, dram shops that go out there and say, if you keep, feeding someone that's way too drunk and they go out and they kill themselves in an accident or they hurt someone else, the bar could be liable. Uh, it seems like, like a weird charge at funky circumstances surrounding the arrest. And that's what I'm curious about because I think everyone wants to know what's going to happen with Bancaro. Nothing really did happen with Bancaro. And I, I think that's fine. I mean, he was in the back seat. This is, this is a clear cut case of, everyone wanting to just jump down coach K's throat and, and Duke's throat because they hate them. And, and, and no one really wants to actually read the article and I'm not coming to, to their defense. I'm not saying what Bancaro and K's grandkid did was acceptable, especially in the light of, of the Henry Ruggs incident, which, I mean, I, I just don't understand. I figured every single level of athletics, at least high level athletics, like a Duke basketball team after the Ruggs incident would say, Hey guys, don't drink and drive. Like I, I'm pretty sure I would be willing to bet a lot of teams have had that meeting where that was a conversation topic. However, this Bancaro thing, I mean, it just seems like a whole lot of nothing to me. Uh, Taylor, is that how you interpreted this as well? Um, yeah, the only way it's not going to be a whole lot of nothing is if Bancaro or Huevos Rancheros, as I like to call him, uh, somehow made – uh k's grandson drive or there was that twitter rumor which i was pro probably just a rumor or just a joke about how uh k's grandson is the fall guy and uh van carroll was actually driving and he hopped in the back seat or something like that i do think it's extremely interesting why would he be in the back seat of his own car when there's only two people in the car this is a very uh What's the word I'm looking for? That's not it. I mean, it's, it's, it's notable. Like it's notable. It's notable. I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's almost disrespectful, right? Have you ever ridden in a car and you say, Hey shark, I'm going to, why don't you chauffeur me around? I'm going to take a seat in the back. That's very disrespectful. Yeah. There's no chance that actually happened. So that's what I'm saying. There's, there's something else here. There's more to this. I did like coach K's uh, response in the press conference though. He said, Hey, the grandson in Huevos Rancheros, two different, two different situations and we're going to handle them uh, as we, as we should internally. But I do like that. He actually came out and said, Hey, that even though they both got charged at the same time, we're talking about two different levels of uh, issues here. Yeah. I would say the term you were looking for is suspicious and it certainly is suspicious with someone in the Uber arrangement right there when they both seem to know each other. Um, so that's for a district attorney or a prosecutor to figure out in terms of what's going to happen. They're going to get suspended for a couple games. I'd expect some type of, um, even I, I, Caro? I would, I would expect a suspension. I mean, Duke's got to have a code of conduct that says don't get pulled over in the backseat of your buddy's car, or at least charged with a crime. I mean, he was charged with aiding and abetting in some capacity. So there's going to be some level of discipline for sure. Even though he did start the other night. Um, but in, in terms of like criminal, 
aspects of this, these guys aren't going to jail or anything. They, if they go to jail, it's for a weekend and some sleepy summer for two days, but it's not going to be anything serious. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone's expecting jail time. I, I do think it is the question of, well, what's the what's the suspension going to be? If there is going to be a suspension, I think everyone has that taste in their mouth from Grayson Allen after he got it caught tripping for the third time and he got like half a game suspension, something along those lines, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, Taylor, but I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be expecting a huge or, or, or some crazy disciplinary action levied down on Paolo, maybe on Coach K's grandson, which it's it's incredible, isn't it, right? Like the headline read Coach K's grandson, Saverino, and Paolo Bancaro, or maybe it was just, you know, and, and, and K's grandson was the one that was charged, I think, with the DWI, uh, and it's Paolo's face all over the front page. It's Paolo's face that's headlining uh, all of the articles because that's as – callous as it might sound it's all really anyone really cares about not only as it pertains to this season but his draft stock going forward so i want to go pivot to the grandson specifically here though if you're his cousins right now and you think man grandpa loves him more than anybody else he got to play on the duke basketball team this whole deal where do you fall in the grand kid power rankings when you're given a chance to play for duke basketball for your for your grandpa and day one of the college basketball season, you get a DWI with the number one pick in the draft in the car with you. Like you got to fall. You're, you're down there a ways after that. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Coach K cannot be too thrilled. I forget who it was, by the way, speaking of Paolo, right? You have this precious cargo in your car, not to value another life over the other. I'm not going to do that. Please don't interpret it as such, but I think someone had said that Paolo is the most talented guy that kids had like since Grant Hill or maybe ever. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. He's damn good, but look, Duke's got a lot of good players in the NBA these days. I don't know if, I mean, after one game against Kentucky, we're anointing Paolo like that. Yeah. I mean, too many other good picks, even just in the last five years to say this guy's like the most talented guy in Duke basketball history. That's kind of strange, or at least in the last 25 years, whatever. Yeah. Well, Moral of the story, stop drinking and driving, people. I mean, if there's one thing you take away from this, enough. No more drinking and driving. Can't do it. Uh, so that's Duke. That's Bancaro. That's Coach K. I'm glad we got that out of the way, honestly. I, I kind of feel dirty even talking about it because we let off with Duke last last episode. Had to do it again this time. Let's move on now, though, to last Friday's game. Wonderful basketball game. UCLA hosting Villanova, a top five matchup. And I finally, guys, I finally got to pull out the for the first time this season, the Bong Joon Ho to me, that's cinema because it was perfect, man. I don't have the exact tweet fired up right now, but it was two top five teams, blue bloods, punch, counter punch. If you watch the game, it was a Villanova run followed by a UCLA run and then back and forth. Refs were letting them play potentially to an, to to the point where Twitter was almost like, uh, you know, we might need to start calling some fouls, but I'd rather it air on that side than ticky tack fouls uh and then it went to overtime it two hall of fame or not hall of fame coaches excuse me one hall of fame coach mick cronin a great coach and that to me was cinema everything that you wanted in a wonderful wonderful basketball game was there and shark i don't know how much you watched of it but it, it, does it feel like the past couple times ucla plays a big time opponent it's just a high quality perfect product for for college basketball I and mean, it feels like ucla gonzaga ucla villanova these are the games that you want to take a casual basketball fan and say watch these guys play high level competition not sure i'd agree when i had to sit through ucla abilene christian in the second round last year abilene christian still one of the worst teams i have ever seen perform the sport of basketball but in terms of this i mean it's hard to argue with how good ucla is this year i only watched the highlights of this game i was on vacation Appreciate you putting me the first question about this game as the guy leading into this topic. Um, so I don't have much to say other than the fact that I know they return everyone. And when I was watching them in the tournament last year, they are a well-oiled machine in terms of what you can bring in terms of a basketball team. Balance from every spot of the floor. Uh, I'm not surprised to see them beat Villanova, and I expect Villanova to lose again this Saturday. I ain't going to fight you on the Abilene Christian part because I did specify when UCLA plays top-tier competition. 
I mean, it's it's not as if UCLA plays down to their competition. I don't know if that's fair. They actually had a bit of a dogfight with Long Beach State. But when they play the Gonzaga, like we saw in the semifinal last year, when they play Villanova, I mean, they they bring it. And so does the other team. It's just perfect basketball. Taylor, what were some of your thoughts from last Friday's tilt? It, uh, a lot of my thoughts were kind of similar to the thoughts I had in the Champions Classic last last week, and that was it's nice to see that nobody skipped a beat from last year into this year. There wasn't like a Final Four hangover or anything like that. Uh, I was a little disappointed because I had Villanova plus four and a half, so I figured overtime, great, going to be a close one, and then they lost by fucking nine in overtime. But uh, Johnny Juzang, Jaime Hawkes, uh it was great to see them just, like you said, pick up right where they uh, left off last year. Uh, Connor Gillespie, or uh, not Connor Gillespie, uh, Colin. Oh, Colin, Colin Gillespie, excuse me, uh, also played well. So nice to see that Villanova is going to be great. I mean, that goes without saying that they're going to be great. Uh, you know, travel West Coast, pretty much the farthest road trip you could possibly take from campus for them uh, to play essentially a game that started at midnight back east, which is just a whole nother story that we can we've complained about for literally our whole lives about Pac-12 basketball. Is hey, let's just put the biggest like marquee matchup of, that the Pac-12 has had in at least five years on at midnight Eastern. S- stupid. So, but so. Uh, yeah, right. And let's not even get into how hard it still is to to get Pac-12 Network. But that's a whole nother story. Um, I think I I did come away more impressed uh, than anything else with UCLA and just how uh, this wasn't just a flash in the pan in the tournament. Got hot for six seven games last year. What they have is is most certainly sustainable, and they're going to be one of the favorites if not the favorite by the end of the year as well uh they're gonna have a ton of uh, good games uh well the pac-12 looked like it was gonna be okay and then oregon got fucking smoked uh this week but um they're gonna play tougher competition for sure in in uh, the conference than gonzaga is uh also nice to see that the top two teams in the country and the two teams that are maybe favored to win the national championship are out here in the west it's not earth-shattering news, but Johnny Juzang and, and Jaime Jaquez, man, those guys, I'll take them against any duo in the entire country. Jaquez is unbelievable. Absolutely. What a treat to watch is, is Jaime Jaquez. And I hope you're ready, Taylor, because I tweeted this last year. This might be the third or fourth reference to Twitter I've found. I'm addicted to that goddamn app. But this, like, you need to be prepared that we are going to be Jaime Jaquez's gimp. As Arizona fans, we are going to be his gimp. This guy... 19, 13, and I think three on Friday night. He is just, the motor that he has is unbelievable. Johnny Juzang, horrible first half, comes out firing in the second half, and he looked like the the All-American that he, that he is. I mean, these two guys are probably going to be vying against each other for Pac-12 Player of the Year. So I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me was Hawkes and Juzang. Gillespie, he didn't concern me. I mean, he's going to be fine. He's great. But he he was not the alpha. He was not the guy for Villanova, which he should have been. Uh, he actually blew a layup that would have put them up nine, I think. And I think it might have taken the wind out of UCLA's sails. But he blew a compl- an easy bunny. And uh, from there, UCLA went on and, and forced overtime, got back in the game, and obviously won it. So I'm going to monitor Gillespie. And remember, he's coming off of a big-time injury. So let's see how, how his body is able to hold up. Uh, to your point about the, the the travel, I how grueling must it be? Shark, you've been on planes quite a bit. You know airports. Actually, you have some very glowing things to say about New Orleans airport on the come up. But imagine going all the way across the country. You play in an, in, in an emotionally charged, grueling overtime game. Juzang and Hawkes get to go two-step out in lovely Westwood. It's probably like a 73-degree night. And then you got to take an entire flight all the way back to the East Coast, icing your knees and and just licking your wounds. I mean, at that point, you just got to hope that you're 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 landing in the good ports. You know what I mean? You're avoiding the Phillies, you're avoiding the Kansas Cities. You're you're not getting layovers, and you're able to really stay in the beautiful ones like the Phoenix Sky Harbors, the Pittsburghs. You know, so I mean, it really is all about where you're leaving from and where you're going to. Destination um, was Philly, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I mean, that airport, like I, I think I tweeted it out. It's it, 
that airport just gets you innings at this point. Not good stuff. Um, gets you gets you five sloppy innings, and you know it's not really. Um, I guess if your destination is there, you don't have to go through a lot of the weight, the buildup to get on the flight, which is a crucial component of it. You're just getting the hell out of there. I rode the train from there into the city. Oh, it's actually not all that bad either. Now that I think about it, uh, but I mean, it's, yeah, more so on UCLA, and that is it will be really interesting to see uh, what the voters or how the voters feel about. I guess West Coast basketball when Gonzaga and UCLA play in less than a week and see how that game because really there's no reason either of those teams should drop from the top two spots, assuming they're both undefeated, right? We'll see if it's a if it's a Georgia, Alabama, SEC type of game where someone, you know, nobody moves by losing a game. Uh obviously if it's a blowout, that's a whole different story. But is that I mean, that's gotta be the game of the out of conference schedule. Easily. Right. Like that Easily. number one. Yeah, right. Top two teams, especially after what happened last year. We need a repeat. Need a repeat. The stakes aren't as high, but yeah, it's absolutely the game of the well the I'm schedule. D- double down on that by also saying that we didn't we were supposed to have the number one versus number two team it's like same week last year, and we also missed out on that. So uh a matchup that we haven't seen the likes of really in several years in college basketball at least in yeah. the regular season. Exactly. I'm glad you, you specified that because we did get it in the title game. At least we were well, able but to UCLA, even so UCLA was unranked going into the tournament last year. So at least there's more going to be more hype oh, uh, yeah. around it for sure. Yeah. So UCLA Nova, my only final thought on that, the celebrities, obviously it's LA Tinseltown, whatever you want to say, but Dan Schulman basically said that all the celebrities are out, and I'm not going to lie. They were kind of like D-list, C-list celebrities. Michael Buffer got the game going. It was obviously very loud in there. But I remember in 2016 when Lonzo Ball and that group came out. I mean, they were like A-list celebrities. I think of the building was Snoop Dogg. Magic Johnson might have been there. Uh, These were some heavy hitters when Lonzo was there. Obviously, the celebrities were here. for for Juzang and Hawkes, but it's just it's it really is amazing what Lavar and the Balls did for that program in 2016 compared to what I mean I think they're a better team now this year than they were in 2016. Shark, I think you had them that 2016 team going to the Final Four or maybe even winning the title. Alfred Ball, right? I had, I had him winning at all, but I, I'm surprised by that take. You like the, you're saying that team revitalized UCLA? I mean, it was just because they were good. It wasn't that. They were the best first good team since they were good in 2006. And so and I'm was- just saying the, the, the celebrity presence in 2016 for Lonzo was like an A-list celebrity presence versus C and D-listers yeah. for Hawkes and, and Juzang. Yeah, I, I wasn't looking at the celebrities. I, I watched the games. Game also started at 830 local time. So, you know, uh, you know, L.A. folk, the. Uh, if it's not really within that, that prime time area, they're not going to show up, nor are they going to stay no matter what's going on. No, you're not wrong. All right, let's go ahead and pivot to some other big news this past week. The A-10. I know we get a lot of people banging down our doors to talk about the A-10. Well, here you go. Loyola Chicago will be moving to the Atlantic 10 starting next year. That's right. Sister Jean taking her talents, her old-ass talents to the A-10. Shark, I want to start with you. This has actually been a point of contention amongst some of our A-10 folk, amongst the college basketball landscape. A lot of people think it's a great a great addition for the A-10, but uh, on the flip side, I think if you ask a lot of A-10 members, we know a roadie ram. We've had friend of the program, Dayton Flyer, uh, Sully on. They both say, look, this might just be another George Mason. And if you remember, George Mason went to the Final Four back in 04, I think, a miraculous run. They've now been in the A-10 and really haven't done shit. Is this more of a George Mason or is this a home run get for the A-10? I think that's a little backhanded to George Mason. George Mason just hired Kim English, who was Rick Barnes' right-hand man, and I think he's got him playing well. So they may be a good that's team a going point. forward. That's a fair um, point. But I, I think it's a great get for the A-10. I, it's a team that's been relevant for five years. The A-10, you, you had you had the Bonnies show up in the tournament last year. You had them be competitive. Bonnies are ranked right now. I don't know why, but they are. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing for them. It's a notable team. Um, you know, they play. I don't. I don't know how good they're going to be going forward. Without Porter Mosier, they play kind of a very boring brand of basketball. But A10 is a boring conference, so I think it'll be a good fit. 
Yeah, I you know, it's tough to right now, I guess, take any judgment on teams who just from fans of teams who just lost to UMass Lowell the other night, uh Dayton. Good program. Go. So <laughs> good program. Shark and I have played at UMass Lowell as a matter of fact. You know, I, that's the thing I think A ten fans uh have to realize in a lot of ways is I do think this is a good get for them. Uh, a lot of the teams in their conference are kind of like flash in the pan teams. We we don't have a lot of teams in the A10 that have been good for 15 straight years or anything like that. Uh, Dayton would probably be your argument in there. Actually, the Bonnies have had a couple decent years lately. Um, VCU also had a bad loss already this year. Um, so I would say, yeah, any team that has any success over the last several years is a good get for a conference that's really only trying to get teams to at least make a year or two splash in the tournament in a row. Unfair shot at UMass Lowell right there. UMass Lowell played in the championship. The they were East close to making year. the tournament. Yeah. yeah. They were one I mean, away. Unfair. Unfair. Shame on you. That being said, I'm with you guys. I'm in agreement. And a lot of times when I have a very reactionary take, which is a lot, I fire off my takes right away. Uh, sometimes I'll have to recalibrate and rethink them. This is not one of them. I thought right off the bat that this was a really good get. Uh, you you talked about the, the 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 success that Loyal Chicago has had. You've talked about the notoriety that they've gained. None of us have talked about the city, right? They're in Chicago, big time market. So that's a that's a critical component. I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, I think St. Joe's, right? St. Joe's is in Philadelphia, and they're part of the A10, I I, I believe. So. I mean, I think that's the only other big market you got in Philadelphia. Um, I might and Fordham, I suppose that's in the Bronx, but who gives a shit about Fordham? Um, so I think this is big from that perspective as well. And I think it's going to give them some cachet, right? They need a success. They need a team that's going to sustain success. And that has been a Dayton that has, I mean, Rhode Island's had some really good years as well under Bobby or Danny Hurley, excuse me, before he took off. So, I, I don't think that this is, this is going to end up being a George Mason. And that's not a slight. I mean, but Shark, you have to admit, there's a reason why this is Kim English's first year. It's because what was working the past couple of years wasn't working, as a matter of fact. So I think this is a good good get for the A-10. Um, and we'll see how, how they perform. Calling them a, a potential George Mason isn't even, I think, like uh, a diss to them. Because if you look at that conference you'll look at that and everyone will be like oh george mason remember when they went to the final four it, it brings more notoriety to the conference than half the other schools in there and they haven't been good for 20 years so same thing with oil chicago they'll look at that and be like oh yeah sister gene oh yeah remember when they went to final four more notoriety than like duquesne's bringing the conference that's for sure i hate that take i hate that what about davidson what about st joe's what about all these all these other schools that have done well it's a pretty it's a better conference than you think it is um i I think George. I'm just saying. I think that we're looking for some sustained success. Like, is there a flagship school that will has constantly been there? I don't know. It seems like the NFC East, where someone has two straight good years, and, and no one can actually take a stranglehold of that conference. I would say VCU probably. They're okay. probably the the cream of the crop for the longest time period. I mean, we know it's not going to be Rhodey and UMass. <laughs> so, oh, that's a good laugh we can have about those. <laughs> See, that's a shot. That's a that's a mean shot right there. Well, by the, I mean, I'm just saying as I'm we're recording this right now, BC just took a 10-8 lead against Rhodey, so it's over. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 10 point lead, no. 10 nothing lead. <laughs> We're up by two. Oh, we're down. We're down now. We need to work on whatever streaming service you have because that was like three minutes ago that that score was live. But go ahead, continue on. No, well, I mean, it's tough, man. I don't understand. By the way, streaming. I don't understand how people stream. I cannot cut the cord on cable. It's impossible. ESPN Plus gives me fits. We've already talked about the Pac-12 and how that's the absolute worst app in the entire universe. I can't do streaming. I have to have cable. I need to be live. I'm in too many text threads. People spoiling shit. I have to be live right up to the second. I, I hate to break away from our basketball discussion to, to pile on here, but I was just having this discussion within a group chat about someone who is thinking about cutting the cord and lives here locally. And I pretty much straight up told them, okay, don't ever invite me over to watch a game. Then. Like don't even 
don't even invite me over because I'm not going to watch a stream that's buffering. I'll give a shit what internet you have. Oh, great. They kicked a game-winning field goal. I found about it on Twitter, and everybody's texting me about it two minutes ago. Great. This is a blast. I wonder what's going to happen while we wait for your fucking stream to load. Well, and so the, the, no, the worst part would be people saying, well, why don't you put your phone down? I can't do that. I'm addicted to my phone. How else am I going to tweet feet? Right? I, I, I got to check all these scores. I got to check what, what the group chat's saying. It's just that I can't enjoy sports without my phone. Can I make a note on that, Sue? I, I, I agree with everything Taylor just said. I mean, it's almost like the question, if someone invites you over, you, the first question is, are you going to have the game on? The second question connected to that should be, do you have a cable aspect of this to watch the game? Or are you streaming it? I want to know that as well. Uh, to go back to the point I wanted to make, Sue, I'm a little worried that your tweeting is getting a little out of control early on. I want you to pace yourself for the full season. I was it out has the, gone out of control, yeah. I know. I was out with the barn chief uh, for the Vols game this past weekend, and we're sitting there. We're out at dinner. We're enjoying a, a few. We're sitting back. I open up my phone. I look at Twitter, and all of a sudden, I see everything on my timeline is you with your little Shakespeare ball hanging up there. I mean, it's a beautiful logo. Great job of designing that. But you took up every single tweet that I possibly have. I've never seen that before. Well, so can I tell you, that's actually your fault because you need to follow more people. You got to call. I, I can't. I can't. I follow like 500 people. You sure about good, that? Good people. Good people. 500 yeah. people. All right. And I'm clogging up your timeline. It might be time for I, an intervention. I, no, I think it's just a matter of how much you were actually tweeting. That's what the wait. So you're saying the personal. Yeah, no, it's the Shakespeare account. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's the Titch account. What do you want me to say? I'm, I'm just, trying to give the people I what they want. To, uh, what I want you to say is I'm going to pace myself. I'm not going to burn out by February 12th. Oh, huh? I won't burn out. Right. Don't worry. I won't burn out. I'm worried about you. Can I pile on one more time on the streaming thing real quick? This person also started to talk to me about good live betting strategy. And I'm like, well, your number one thing on live betting strategy is not to get a fucking streaming service. You might as well just burn every dollar that you're trying to spend. It. Have you guys ever? Have you guys ever experienced a big play and then it buffer uh, a buffer happens because I have, it was the Michigan, Ohio state game. Uh, the JT Barrett, was it a first down? Was it not? Was it fourth down? He's like on the pile and it starts buffering. Yeah. I, I, I have experienced that. I've also experienced the guy that you're in a group and it's buffering. And there's one guy that's keeping up with Twitter. And then he has like some, sly comment like you guys aren't gonna like what's about to happen like get the fuck out of here all right you don't have to do that let us we're all living in a world that is three seconds behind the rest of the world and we all agreed to that so don't come in with your innuendos about what's about to happen yeah he's he's woge during the end nba draft essentially yeah right yeah another moral of the story all right so first moral of if you take anything away from from this episode don't drink and drive don't go, don't cut the cable. All right. Two very important things. Uh, let's move on now to another out of conference game. Shark, I want to get your opinion on these Longhorns because I know you're a bit riled up and I'm in the same boat as you, but Texas, Gonzaga, Gonzaga just dominated them pretty much from the tip. And that's okay. That's all right. That's not the barometer for Texas. Gonzaga is amazing. They have a potential player of the year in Drew Timmy. They have a potential number one, number two overall pick in Chet Holmgren. They have Mark Few, who's one of the best coaches in the entire game. Okay. So at the end of the day, this team is incredible. But Shark, are you out on Texas even before they've even began? So I'm not rooting for them. So my, my clear distinction is I, I, I'm out on them where I'm not going to support them. I do think they're incredibly talented. I think everyone would agree with that point. I'm out on them because of the nature and the complexion of their team. It is all guys that were good at one place, didn't get the exact scenario that they wanted, and they decided and they wanted to create a super team world with people that are not elite athletes. If you were that great where you were, you would have stayed there and everyone would have rallied around you. It's all kind of secondary guys that wanted to, that were good, that were notable. Marcus Carr is a perfect example. Timmy Allen, all these guys, they were all, they were all good, um, but they couldn't get that program to the next level. So you go from being the man at a mediocre program to being a man surrounded a bunch of other men that think they're the best. And that's not going to be difficult. That's difficult to coexist. I mean, Courtney Ramey's a guy that plays with a lot of selfish tendencies. Andrew Jones needs to get his shots up. Uh, You already got Trey Mitchell that's playing like 12 minutes a game. I'm sure he's not too thrilled about it. But going into it, I didn't think it was going to be a disaster because Chris Beard 
the, the impression that he always gave me is he's a tough guy. He's a no-nonsense type guy. He's going to find a way to get them all together, rally around one cause. And then he had this quote going into the Gonzaga game, which I'm just minding my own business. I, this must have slipped in between one of your tweets one of these days. And I see it, and I react to it, and it says, you know, no matter what happens on Saturday, we've won because we're going to learn more. And it's like, dude, get out of here. All right, that's Butch Jones stuff right there. That's We got five-star hearts. That's, that's just complete – horrible, horrible aspects of it. And it was totally counter to what I thought the kind of guy he was. So I'm not going to say Texas is going to be terrible because they have a ton of talent. I'm going to be rooting against him. Though. Well, he, he gave a mixed message. I don't know which Texas Chris Beard we're getting. I knew exactly who the Texas Tech Chris Beard was, but he says that or he tweets that, right? Or he, excuse me, it was, it was a quote. I, I, yeah, father set me up with an intervention, man. I'm too, too, too into Twitter. But he says that, but then he also tries to flex nuts and he's like we're a monday night program we're a monday night program which obviously if you can read between the lines means he they're playing on monday night the national title game i mean it's it's like are you are you trying to be conservative or are you going balls to the wall here chris yeah and his track record like yes you've played in the finals before but you caught everyone by surprise when it happened then you got some expectations and you failed in the second round not to mention all the guys that are good for your team. Now, hasn't they, he been doing Elite Eight as well? Like two Elite Eights? Um, yeah. Let me look that up. Continue. I'm I mean, pretty sure he has. Cool. Yeah, a finals in an Elite Eight. He lost, he lost a muscle million in the second round last year when his team was supposed to be very good. Um, so at some point, like, dude, your resume is one finals appearance when it came out of nowhere and an Elite Eight when you had a good team. And the guys on your team haven't done anything. Uh, in fact, they were terrible. They, all the, the ones that were incumbent already, they, they lost horribly to Abilene Christian. So I, I think, no, you're not a Monday night program. All right. If anything, you should be playing to prove you are. Yeah, it's definitely going to take um, this team a long time. I think 10, 20 games uh, to to kind of gel here. I'm not going to be as hard on Chris Beard as you guys are. No, I didn't like the quote either. Um but he's new in this program as well. So you got a lot of moving parts. It'd be one thing if you were like, you know, Calipari or K, all these coaches who have 10 new players every single year at a program that they've been at forever. He's just getting his uh, feel for Texas as well. So uh, I think Texas fans are going to have to be patient. Unfortunately, they've had to be patient with both their basketball and football programs uh, since Colt McCoy left, give or take. So I'm not sure how much patience they're going to have. Obviously, this isn't a multi-year thing with Chris Beard. They just need to be patient for half of a season here. But if this team loses a handful of games, uh, you, you know, before conference play, or not conference play, but before the tournament, uh, you're, you already know you're going to have Texas fans that are going to be fed up with the product, especially because you got a guy like, like we referenced, Andrew Jones been there, you know, still an awesome story, but he turns 24 in December that those guys just can't make mistakes and they can't th be down by 20 in the first half when there's supposedly supposed to be a Monday night program with all of these elder statesmen on the team. Yeah. I don't want to pile on Chris Beard whatsoever. I think he's one of the best coaches in the game. As a matter of fact, I, I we might've seen the two best coaches in college basketball in Mark few and Chris Beard squaring off against each other. Scott Drew might have an issue with that as well. Hug for Scott Drew. But he's certainly up there is what I'm saying. And I actually think this is this is something that I never do and I hate doing is saying that the best part or the most valuable part of a team is the coach cuz I'm always going to defer to the players, right? If 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 we poke fun at ourselves there was there was a poll from Chris Mannix saying would you rather Giannis Antetokounmpo or Brad Stevens from like 2016 and some people were saying Brad Stevens when in reality that's just absurd it should never be the coach but I do think in this scenario Chris Beard is the best thing Texas has going for him if you watch the game you can tell it is different though it is a Chris Beard team in the sense that they were getting blown out but I think they cut the lead to about 10 with Eight, eight or nine minutes left in the game. Shaka Smart's team aren't doing that. It's it's over. It's a wrap for them, at least at Texas. I don't know what, what his Marquette team's going to do, but I know for a fact, and what we saw with, with Shaka's Texas teams is that they were not fighting back. Inexcusable for Chris Beard. At least give me the effort. And I think Chris Beard understands. Look, we were on the road, Pacific Northwest against the best team in the country. I can't imagine he, deep down in places he doesn't want to talk about, thought that they were going to win that ball game. But I'm I, and I, I I'm curious to know though the the perception or what the national 
landscape thought Texas was going to be because I, I wasn't surprised at all that they got blown out. Uh, I think it's going to take time for them to gel, like you had mentioned, Taylor, because these are all transfers, guys coming in that it takes a little bit of time. You can't just step on a court and have the cohesion of of a Drew Timmy and an Andrew Nemhart who have been together, of you know a, a guy like like Armando Baycott and some other guys at, at Carolina. You know, you can't just have that right away. Uh, and so I think it's going to be, take a little bit of time for Texas. I just don't know if they have that time in in the sense that they're in the Big 12, man. Kansas is better than you. I think Baylor's better than you. Texas Tech may not be better than you on paper, but they're a, a solid program. I mean, just Texas, they might be staring down like a three, a, a three seed, a three seed come tournament time. And look, man, they're looking to get an NCAA tournament win under their belt. 314 isn't a gimme is all I'm saying. You can't be upset if you're a three seed though, if you're Texas, given your, your history in here. I mean, I would be happy with that. Sure. They're preseason top five. That means almost nothing, especially because of new coach, new, uh, new players. I'd be a lot uh, more worried if I was another top five team, like say Michigan, for example, who just lost at home or like Oregon who just, their top 12 who just got smoked essentially at home you lost to the number one team in the country on the road again at 9 p.m on you know latest possible game across the country so although i I, it's a little troubling how slow they started i would i would have hoped that it would have been a little bit more of a game i'm still i'm still not like extremely concerned and if i'm a texas fan if you're a really I guess, normal person or someone that doesn't have unrealistic expectations, you really can't even be upset with the three seed in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not like trying to draw any conclusions from the Gonzaga game. I'm just looking at them moving forward for all the reasons that we had mentioned. I think the biggest is all of these new guys coming in and how much time is it going to take for them to gel? You're not in a bad conference. You're actually in a really damn good conference with a couple of national title contenders, one for sure in Kansas and one defending national title shark. Do you want to jump in? I was just going to jump in quickly when you said Texas Tech may be better than them. Texas Tech's not better than them, but Texas Tech certainly wants to murder them if they if they can. They they're a serious angst. Uh, did with you that program? Did you see their uh, basketball? I did. Yeah, this might have been the tenth or eleventh Twitter reference that I'm about to drop. But what they been outside lately? Uh, it's cold now. Yeah, it's indoor you, stuff. You can still get out there, man. Yeah, you're right. See you're the right. world. No, set up that intervention for me. We'll we'll get it done. All right. I won't you, I'm just, it's not an intervention. I'm just it's warning signs. That's all it is. Take action. <laughs> well, I mean, you want to nip it in the bud. You don't care about me enough to do that. No, this is. I mean, this is it's happening right now. All right. This is this is a this is a nudge. Okay. I'll take a nudge. Last surprising game that I want to cover: Oregon, absolutely destroyed at the hands of BYU in Portland. Um, they. They, they just got thoroughly outplayed and it's very shocking to see a Dana, Dana Altman team lose in that fashion. Um, I know shark, you sent me a text saying like, nice pick about Oregon winning the PAC 12 soup. I mean, it's been what two weeks, one week. Uh, and, and I found it amazing actually following that text. You even said my picks don't start to blossom until December. So I'm very happy that you're afforded that, uh, that time, but I'm not, did you have any thoughts from this Oregon BYU game? Um, no, not at this point. I mean, I know Nor- Oregon typically comes into their own a little bit later, but yes, I do. My, 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 <laughs> I was laughing at you say blossom. It was a good use. My, my, my picks do blossom in around early to mid December is when I'll come out with the, with the good ones. But when I mean, we all know I had Oregon and St. Hall really nailed down in 2019. Uh, I do have one this year that is in, in the chamber. Uh, I want to see what happens. I actually was, we're not going to do our pick segments right now because there's no spreads that are forecasting it out and a key player is not playing on Thursday night. But one of my early ones, I'll just say it right now, Xavier. I got a feeling about Xavier. I think I'm seeing a deep run for that team. They return everyone. You got Fremantle coming back. Xavier, I'm not officially giving it as one of my dark horses, but that it's close. Big East is kicking some serious ass at the moment. Uh, actually, I'm surprised you didn't bring up your boy, Alex Barcelo. He's shooting 76% from the field, I think. Either the field or three. Regardless, it's an outrageous number for the season. 
I can't forgive them yet just because I, I was on them all last year and then they played Texas in that first round, bottom left bracket, and they just got wiped out. So, I mean, it's hard for me to get around. No, actually, no, they played UC. They were a playing game. UCLA. No, UCLA played Michigan State. No, oh, yeah. They, and then they – Keep yeah. up, baby. Keep up. Bottom left. You Let's got go. it wrong first. But I'm I fixed troubleshooting it. with you. I'm I troubleshooting. I like all that right. troubleshoot bit. Yeah. I mean, this is all just corporate lingo that I want to fucking hate myself for over. So, uh, Taylor, Alex Barcelo is off to an absolutely scorching start thus far. Dominated that game. Had had Has everything that you want in a super senior point guard for college basketball. What were your takeaways from BYU-Oregon? I, I kind of just assume it was still his coaching that he had from Sean Miller, his freshman year, Alex Barcelo. I assume Ooh. that's where, assume that's Ooh. where Ooh. all Ooh. his skills were built. Ooh. This is me throwing ba- banana peels and, and tomatoes at you. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, overall, it kind of goes without saying how surprising that game was, especially in the Phil Knight Invitational. I mean, this isn't – Oregon essentially picked – the play the teams that they want to play in this tournament uh byu is always a sneaky i it's weird that they're always sneaky because they're good every year they're not great ever essentially but they're good every year um i was a little disappointed uh because it always seems like this is how the pac-12 out of conference goes both in football and and basketball where it's like okay here's a chance to pick up a nice game nice win in the out of conference uh you know, kind of lift up uh, the conference and then they just get shithoused at home, essentially. So I was a little disappointed in that. I don't really have too many other thoughts on that other than I am a little concerned, way more concerned with Oregon uh, and what their future looks like than, say, like a Texas, for example, because this is a game that, I mean, this is your tournament and you got absolutely demolished. Um, Obviously, Barcelo had a great game. There is something you could have done about that, uh, but sometimes guys are just on, and he's just on, on right now, and is borderline unstoppable, clearly, right now. Yeah, he's shooting the lights out, especially from three. Every time I looked up, he was hitting the three. So uh, I'd have to disagree with you in terms of me being concerned about Oregon over Texas. Oregon has a has shown that they can get hot at the right time, go to a Final Four, and, and play well under Dan Altman, no matter who's there. But – I can appreciate, you know, there's no need to jump on Texas just yet. Uh, I think the Shark and I are just saying, take it easy. Take it easy. I don't know if they're the number five team in the country. But, yeah, Oregon got absolutely pumped by BYU. Uh, Let's see how they bounce back. Let's finish it up here now, fellas, with a few news and notes and then end it out on hugs. Hey, did you guys know? Titch, our Twitter account, has 500 followers. Now, I'm not ashamed of bringing up this Twitter nugget shark 500 followers. I actually want to give a special shout out to NCAA buzzer beaters. He uh, tweeted us out, retweeted us, whatever it was. And I think like 15 came across the finish line. We got 500 boys. Love that kid buzzer beaters, but no, that's a good milestone right there. Let's build off that word. (laughs) Next step. 1000. Um, so thank you to everyone following. I don't know what percentage of those actually listen to the program. I think it's a very small percentage, but why don't we try and get all 500 listening to the program as well? Next little, little nugget. Uh, I have a confession to make. I am a Troy Trojan basketball guy. That is my cheat team. The Troy Trojans, Nick Stampley a couple nights ago, uh, against who they play Jacksonville state triple overtime game. Nick Stampley had a big charge at the end of regulation, or uh, at the end of the first overtime, and he just took an entire sprint lap around the court. Surprised he didn't get teed up for it, to be honest with you, because everyone in college basketball, the refs are so lame. But it was just a delightful sight to see. He's very funny. And then he had a huge block at the rim uh, against the Jacksonville State player to really preserve the game and extend it to a third overtime. So Nick Stampley... That's reason one number one why I'm a Troy Trojan basketball guy. Number two, and I want to dive into some more hashtags for other teams, but I love Troy's basketball hashtag. Taylor, do you know what it is? I, I consulted the shark about it yesterday. I do so not. ridiculous. I do it's not. so ridiculous, man. Hashtag take the stairs. <laughs> take the stairs. That's you want to uh, talk about a corporate lo- lingo. Is What's that from? Are they like a weight loss program as well or what? 
I, I mean, it's like a Winston Churchillism right there. Like, why sit when you can stand type thing? But I, I've heard who says take the stairs. I mean, I I don't know like, if it's a direct. Well, that's a thing. From someone. Yeah, it's a thing. That's a I thing. Mean, it's, just, it's a metaphor for don't take the elevator. Well, cute. I, I don't. I don't think. Escalators and elevators are around for Churchill, but let's give it to Churchill. I'll give it to Troy. Troy basketball, Nick Stamp, Nick Stampley, and Winston Churchill. You ever think in his wildest imaginations, uh, a Twitter account with with Shakespeare holding a basketball? Avi would would tweet at him, and we compared him to Winston Churchill. Phenabla. What do you think about uh, Troy's best player, Duke Dean? What a name, as well. I'm a Stampley guy. That's all. I can only give you Stampley. Who's Duke Dean? He's like their best player. I thought you were a Troy basketball stand. Okay, fine. Let me pivot. I'm a Nick Stampley guy. Can and I rain, if can Troy I rain does on, well, then can, he does well. Can I rain on your parade by also saying that Stampley was one of seven from the field that game? Dude, get out of here, man. What, yeah, but you didn't see the intangibles, the stuff that's not showing up on the – well, actually, I think both – I mean, it should, the charge and, and the block. So he's like the he's kind of like the Brad Davison of Troy basketball. That's what you're getting at here. You're really ruining this for me, man. Take the stairs. You, get out of here. Take <laughs> the stairs. Do a, do a lap. Let's finish it off now with hugs. Taylor, you feeling charitable? Yes, actually, I'm really happy you used the word charitable because my hug is for uh, Kentucky basketball fans who in back-to-back games have hit uh, half-court shots for $10,000. So charitable was definitely the word for that, Sue. Good work. We're, you're, you're on. You're on right now. Well, this is why this is why we're all together. Uh, they're on, though. Those were two awesome shots. Uh, loved, loved seeing that for the kids. Just kids. Just kids. Shark, any hugs? My hug is for CJ Frederick. He was a former Iowa player. He just transferred over to Kentucky. I was very nervous about him just destroying Tennessee, hit raining threes against us this year. He's out for the year. They just announced his hamstring was torn up for him. My hug is internally, as a matter of fact, it's for our guy, the Chief. You mentioned him. You were with him last weekend. Big, big hug for Sam Strantz. He got an in-house legal counsel position with the Houston Rockets. So he's going to be moving out to Houston. He's going to be working in the Toyota Center, Tillman Fertitta. Maybe you can turn that franchise around. Who knows? Uh, but I'm wondering if he's got to completely disavow his Grizzly fandom. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if the Jalen Green greater than John Morant propaganda train is rolling along just yet. But sincere hug for our guy, uh, the Chief, Sam well, Strantz, for getting that position. A hug for the Chief, but I talked about it. There's no way that. Jalen Green's even close to John Brandt. Jaylen I know, Green that's stink. why he's propaganda. Yeah, yeah, uh, good. We well, he doesn't stink. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you uh, say he stinks? Yeah, that's what I said. He stinks. Why don't you take the stairs, too? You and, join Taylor. And, and Andrew, Wiggins, two, Andrew Wiggins 2.0. Andrew Wiggins is having a bit of a I will admit, I was wrong about Scotty Barnes, though. That goes to show how bad of a coach Leonard Hamilton was. Scotty <laughs> Barnes is like, incredible in the NBA. I'm saying take Jalen Suggs. Barnes looks like uh, uh, I like the next level of Siakam and Kawhi Leonard over there. Like he's nasty. You, you are just tremendous with words. Let me give you that, man. I got to give you so much credit because like, like we had referenced, I have until December to blossom. Hey, soup, nice Oregon pick after two days. Uh, but this one, this one might be an all timer. Yeah. I was wrong about Scotty Barnes. You know what that shows you? Not that I'm a bad evaluator. Instead, that's Leonard Hamilton is terrible. He is. I agree. Good point right there. Yeah. Well, hat tip to you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week here on Theater in College Hoops. Remember, take the stairs. Take the stairs. 16 year old. Bitch! They should take it to town. I got hoes calling a young nigga fuck. Where's Ali with the motherfucking dog? Bitch, I be ballin' like a motherfucking pro. Oh
fuck. Shit, bitch. Yeah, Shaq West said I'm getting really rich. See how I thought it, cause I'm really with the shit. See me in the streets and I be really with a, with a bad bitch. Niggas straight rock, rock. Niggas straight see me when they see me, they be copping. I'm the best drug dealer, nigga, come and copping. Yeah, Shaq West, I'm like the fucking green goblin. Oh, Okay.